0: your seat. Come on in and take your seats. I want to welcome you here this morning in the name of the Lord. Grateful that you're here. Those of you joining us in the sanctuary and those of you joining us at home. For those of you that are here, uh, we apologize for the somewhat unseemly mess that you see coming in those other doors. Uh, we arrived at church this morning to discover that our basement here is flooded, and when we started cleaning up that mess, we discovered that actually the water is flowing in like a river through the cement black walls on the floor. So that's why we're digging down over in that area, because that's where it seems to be the uh, onus of it. Uh, So I apologize for the mess, that's not normal for us. We try to make sure that the house of the Lord looks beautiful as is befitting His beauty. Um, I don't know if you heard the word that was shared this morning, specifically uh, the second word from Sister Ashley, but I think it also ties in with what Tom was saying. It was like, I, I felt like what Tom was saying is there ought to be an expectation that something happening. That even though you might not realize your hair is growing back, and he uses that analogy, but the realize is, though you don't realize in the natural something's happening, in your heart, in your spirit, something is going on. God's doing something. And then Ashley kind of brought it, and then Alyssa came to me with a very similar word, just used different words, and said, God is looking to actually come pouring in like a flood. And isn't it interesting, how God will use a natural event like us getting flooded downstairs to speak a word to our hearts that He wants to come flooding in. So, before I even begin, I'm going to ask you just to bow your heads again. I know you already have prayed, but just bow your heads for a moment. And just invite the presence of the Lord to come wash through your souls. I've had a busy, busy week, and I have literally driven from one end of the state to the other and back last night. God, I need you to wash through me. Lord, let the debris be washed away by the floods of Your presence. Let the things that I have dammed up in order to try to stall the flooding and all of the leaks, the the things I have done in the natural to try to fix myself. Lord, I, I want to take my hand and I'm saying, come on through, Holy Spirit. Do whatever pleases You in my life. We need You, Jesus. We don't need our strategies or our plans or, or our own provisions. We need You. So Lord, I'm asking You as uh, just one among many, would You not sweep over our house? As surely as there was flooding in the natural this morning in our basement, Lord, start from the ground up and flood our spirits and souls with Your presence. Let us know that God is at work and do more than what we ever could have imagined so that we accomplish more in these coming days than we've accomplished in all of it up to this point. Lord, come by Your Spirit, we pray. We receive Your Word to us today. We don't treat it lightly. We're honored that You would speak to us and encourage us. We honor Your presence today. In the name of Christ, Amen. Amen. Well, uh, we are on the second in our very short series that I am calling a series on one thing. I drew it out of a couple of sections of Scripture, if you'll recall, where in the Old Testament, David said, one thing have I desired of the Lord. One, and that I'll seek after, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And then we jumped into the New Testament where Paul says in Philippians, I I, I do one thing, just one. I forget those things that are past and I press on that I might apprehend, I might grab hold of that for which God has apprehended my life. And I talked about the principle that little things can make a big difference in our lives. I mean, we look at people and we think, man, I wish I could be like them. And we wish they could give us a magic pill that could transform our lives so we could be like them. But what we discover when we talk to them, it wasn't monumental changes usually. It was small little things that accrue in their lives. Small things that started perhaps long ago, but they've continued with those things until they have seen a significant difference in their lives. And so, the theme throughout this whole series, which is just going to take a few weeks, is little things can make a big difference. And I ask you to pray and ask God to give you one word that could be a word that God would speak to your heart for the rest of 2021 that could help to change the direction, the, the impetus of your year. I don't know what 2020 has been like for you. For most people, it was hard. And for some people, I was with somebody this week that as soon as I said those words out loud and they said to me, and 2021 isn't much better. Well, I want to not have my life directed by COVID or by New York State or by the U.S. government or by people's opinions. I don't want it to be controlled or somehow impacted in a great way by politics or philosophy. I want it to be driven by the word of the Lord. And so I asked you to pray. I hope you did. And maybe for you, you prayed and you said, I got nothing. I understand. That's okay. No one's judging anybody. We're just offering the opportunity for you to take some time to meet with God and say, God, what would be a word that you would give to me that could carry through the rest of this year? What I want to do this morning is I want to look specifically at uh, point number two for me. The first one was give a direct word for the rest of this year. Point number two is I want us to look at our thoughts and specifically our inner thoughts that we think about ourselves, about our Latin life, and particularly about God, because those thoughts can dictate our destiny if we're not really careful. How we feel about ourselves, and how we see ourselves, and how we see God. Years ago, uh, a man by the name of Tozer, some of you might have read him, he wrote an amazing book, but um, several actually, and he was an amazing pastor. But he said this, he said, your thoughts about God are the most important things in this life. You have a lot of thoughts about a lot of things, but what you think about God is what impacts your life the most. And so I want to talk to us this morning very briefly about our inner thoughts. Uh, If you have your Bibles, I'm going to look at several verses and you can turn to them or you can just note them down in your notes. Uh, Proverbs 23.7, the wise man Solomon said this, As a person thinks in his heart, so is he. Look at it, look, look it up on the screen. As a person thinks in his heart, you say, well, no, my thinking's in my head. No, you, you're wrong. It starts with a heart. It starts with things that you can't even always put your words to. And it affects then the rest of what goes on in our lives. As a person thinks in his heart, so is he. And here's my point. If you're taking notes, write this down. This is like the key point I'm going to pound to death today. And it's this. Your life will always move in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Your life will always move in the direction of your strongest, driving, controlling thoughts. In other words, if you think you can't, you probably can't. If you think everything is bad, don't be surprised that it is. If you think that you have nothing to offer because you've already sabotaged your life enough, you've made horrific mistakes, you've done terrible wrongs, and you think I have nothing left to offer, you probably won't. But if on the other hand, you think God is for me, and God is with me, and God loves me. God cares about me. God hasn't forgotten me. God still has a purpose for our, my life. Don't be surprised if you live your life then with a sense of His presence. That you see His fingerprints all around you. That's what I've been trying to talk about for weeks is look for the presence of God all around you. I don't know if you saw it this morning walking in, but I had people on their hands and knees. I had elders and deacons on their hands and knees trying to vacuum up a river of water flowing in the walls. I saw young guys put their hands to shovels out here when there should be in here sitting. Instead, they're out digging an eight-foot hole. because That's how far down we have to go for where the water's coming in. I saw the fingerprints of God in their lives. Are you looking for God all around you? Or are you saying everything is bad? So what I want to do this morning is I want to do a, a, an audit of you. An audit of your life. Have you, any of you ever been audited? No, don't answer that. Um, I know it's everybody's dread. You get this letter and it says IRS. It's not me. No, I want to do a thought audit. So I want you to help me if you would. I would like you to take your hands. Get your hands? And I want you to go like this. Okay? Just for a minute. I know, I know. It's weird. And you say, why do I have to do it?" You don't have to. You can be rebellious. Uh, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding and you know it. I know you're not rebellious. Do your hands like this. So, on this side is worry. On this side is peace. So the right-hand side is peace, left-hand side is worry. Where's your scale at? Here or here? Which is it for you? Are you more of a worrier or you have more peace? Or on this side, on the right-hand side is contentment. Go ahead, contentment, I hold contentment. Over here, Is jealousy and fear? Which which is your scale? Or on this side is negative, on this side's positive, on this side's pessimistic, on this side's optimistic. Which, if I had to measure the scales of your life based upon that, how would you measure out? You can put your hands down. I know for some of you it's like, I'm getting tired. Uh, Do you spend more time thinking about? the temporal, or the eternal? And the way you measure that, by the way, let me just ask you point blank. When you think about your children, for some of you, your parents here, when you think about your children, do you spend more time thinking worrisome thoughts? Worrying about their lives? Worrying, what is this world coming to that I'm leaving my children, this kind of world? Or your grandchildren even? Or do you think, I am so excited because God as His hand upon these lives, and they're going to do something to change the course of this world. Which is it for you? Do you fret and worry about things? What about your health? Do you spend most of your time thinking, my my body is going to hell in a handbasket? Or do you think, God's got this under control. I might be struggling with some physical things, but this isn't the end of the story. How do you think about things in life? Because as a man or a woman thinks in their heart, so are you. Your thoughts determine your destiny. Your life will go in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Do you find yourself more um, encouraging or discouraging life? Do you find yourself more critical about things? Like when you walked in the doors of the church, what's the first thing you think about? Do you think, uh, I hate how these chairs are. I wish they would put these back to normal. Do you think, man... Worship could have really gone somewhere, someplace, and then, man, they blew it. They missed the voice of God. And that this sermon, this sermon is just going nowhere. I just, <laughs> I, I, I'm going to get my phone out and I'm going to Facebook because that's a lot more interesting. Or do you come in saying, "I believe God is in the house, and I might actually encounter the living God today, and in encountering Him, my life will be changed forever." How do you approach life? Because your thoughts matter. They direct the course of your life. Is your default negative or is it positive? What is your default way of thinking in life? And I'm asking you honestly to consider this because as you continue to think certain ways, you're going to determine your destiny. Not others. It's not the doctor who spanked you too hard on your rear end when you were born. It's not your mean boss, it's you. I know um, I was raised in a church where from the time we arrived at the church, I, I honestly, forgive me, I'm probably wrong, but I don't remember a time when in that service there wasn't talk about how big the devil was and how mean he was and how we're in this cosmic battle. He's terrible. He's the enemy. And i got to tell you, I think the devil is real. I don't think the devil is made up. I don't think it's a myth. I don't think the devil is the absence of God. I think the devil is a real being. And I think he is our enemy. And I think he creates more havoc and destruction in the world than we could imagine. But I think for most of us, our biggest enemy is between these two ears. It's how we think and how we process things in life. Do you find that your thoughts are more concerned with the things of this life making money and getting a promotion and surviving? Or is your attention, your focus, on things above? Um, Chuck Swindoll said, I think it was Chuck Swindoll, if I'm mistaken, please forgive me, but I think it was Chuck Swindoll said this, watch your thoughts because they ultimately become your words. Watch your words because they become your actions. Watch your actions because they become your habits. Watch your habits, they ultimately become your character. Watch your character, it will become your destiny. The basic idea he is saying is everything begins with your thoughts. Our life will always move in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Um, What are the directions of your thoughts? So now if you would turn to Romans chapter 12. Romans 12 and verse 2. Um, And again, if you don't have a Bible with you, we're going to put it up on the screen right in front of you. It says this, Romans 12.2 says this, Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Be transformed in your mind. I like how the New Living Translation worded this. It says this, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Uh, How is it that you spend your days thinking? David approached this in an interesting way, though. David Kind of flip things around a little bit uh, from what I am going after, but I think it's applicable. David said this in Psalm 115, and he's talking about idols, idols actually fashioned out of stone or wood or something like that. He's talking about idols, and he says this uh, Psalm 115, verse 4 Their idols are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they do not speak. Eyes they have, but they do not see. They have ears, but they do not hear. Noses they have, but they do not smell. They have hands, but they do not handle. Feet they have, but they don't walk, nor do they mutter through their throat. And then he says this, verse 8, those who make them are like them, so is everyone who trusts in them. He is basically saying, you become like that which you spend your time focusing on. They spent their time bowing before an idol, and he says, you become like them. Well, I want to suggest to you, you become like that which you spend your time thinking about, where the focus of your life is. And so you might say, well, Pastor, how is it that we change the focus or the direction of our thoughts? And I'm so glad you're asking because that's what I want to talk to you about today. Would you turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10? For those of you that use the U version of the Bible, this would have been your verse yesterday. When you opened up U version yesterday, this was the key verse of the day. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or fleshly or human, but they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of God. Of Christ. So, how do we change the way we think? Point number one for me today is this. First, we have to learn to recognize and capture destructive thoughts. You have to recognize them for what they are. When I was growing up, it wasn't uncommon at all. And, and I say when I was growing up, I mean like this year. Um, it isn't uncommon for me to do something that, in retrospect, I think, what were you thinking? And then I will say things like this to myself. I will say, you idiot. How could you be so dumb? Where do you think my thoughts have been lately? It hasn't been on the things of God. It hasn't been about what God's saying. I have to first recognize there's something destructive. There's something wrong about thinking that way. And it says the first thing we have to do is to recognize and then lay hold of. Name them for what they are. Name them as destructive thoughts. And Paul uses the word stronghold here in the text. That word stronghold means this. A prisoner locked up in a cell of deception. A prisoner locked up in a cell of deception. Do you have some thoughts in your mind that you know as you bring them to the light of day? Take them out of your mind and hold them in front of you. Do you have some thoughts that you realize are pretty deceitful? They're wrong? They're destructive? About you? about your in life, or about God, or even about others. I met with a group yesterday, and I had to say several times, you guys need to understand, you're not one another's enemies. I, I, we we're trying to help a church deal with the problem. Said, you guys aren't enemies. You're friends. You're brothers and sisters in Christ. But they had this default thinking. You're my enemy now. and We have to acknowledge it, recognize it, And then capture it. Put it in a place that's right. John 8, 44, Jesus said this, Satan is called the father of lies. His primary weapon against us is deception and lies. He wants us to believe things that aren't true. Things around us in the world, things in our own lives, things about God. And if we listen to his voice long enough, we begin to actually believe those lies. And those beliefs begin to affect our lives. Jesus in John 14, says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the truth. Not the enemy. Not the lies in your head. Not what you were told growing up. Jesus is the truth. And then later on, Jesus said, you will know the truth. You will come to know the truth. And it will... No. No, it doesn't say that. Go back and read it. It says, it will make you free. Because... That change isn't instantaneous. It's not like just walking out of prison. It takes a process of time. If you think about it, what is it that Moses did for 40 years in the wilderness? He tried to confront Egyptian slave ways of thinking and purge it out of these people ready to go into the place God had promised them. What is it that Jesus did for three and a half years with His disciples? He tried to bring them to a place where they thought kingdom thoughts not the traditions of men. So what is it that you have to recognize in your own heart and life that are ways that you think that are destructive? He says it sets us free. No, it makes us free. It's a developing thing that goes on in life. I'm not as uh, in bondage as I used to be, but I'm not as free as I want to be yet. I still have some things that I know God needs to do in me, and I need to agree with Him in it. When I was growing up, I heard all kinds of things said to me. Um, I grew up, for some of you who don't know me well, some of you are so sick of hearing about my life, but it's all i got to talk about. Uh, I don't want to talk about your life. Um, When I was growing up, uh, I would hear things from my father especially, things like, you're a disappointment to me. You're not the son I wanted. The son I wanted died. Nothing you ever put your hand to will ever amount to anything. You're an utter failure and a whole lot worse things. I had to come to a point in my life of looking at those thoughts because they had been integrated. You hear those things often enough, especially as a child. You actually begin not only to believe them, they become a part of who you are. And I began to believe them and absorb them into my life. And there came a point in my life when I had to look at them and say, are these things true? Is this what God says about me? So the first thing I had to do is I had to say, God, what do you say about me? I have heard from my earthly father. What do you say about me? Uh, some years back, my uh, wife and uh, the church, actually, for my 60th birthday gave me a, an amazing gift. Uh, they, they actually threw a birthday party celebration for which I am ever grateful but one of the things I received is this gift. If you could put it up, that picture. And on this picture, it's my wife took a picture of me. I was standing at the lake in Canisius, I think it was. Maybe I'm wrong. I think it was Canisius. And I was just looking. I didn't know she was taking a picture. And she took a picture of me. And then at the top, you, you can barely see it, but it says, "You are a child of God." And then it lists all these things that she was letting me know. God says about me: You're loved. You're accepted. You're chosen. You're wanted. You're valued, all these kinds of things. And then down at the bottom, it says you're God's favorite. And you say, well, that's not right. You know, moms and dads shouldn't have favorites, but the truth is, we all do. We all have favorites. Truth is, Jonathan's my favorite. And Jeremy's my favorite. And Jennifer's my favorite. And their spouses are my favorites. And their grandkids are really my favorites, my grandkids well, I'm God's favorite. I don't know about you, but I'm God's favorite. When God looks at me, His face lights up. He says, I'm so glad to see you today. I'm so glad you turned your heart towards me today. I had to first confront and say, God, what did you say? Then I had to confront the lies I had heard. And the way that I did it, and again, I'm not saying you have to do this at all. I came to a point where I had to confront it, and I say, no, this is a lie. This is not true. This is what God says, not what I heard all my life, not what you're now whispering into my mind that are not my thoughts. And I got kind of militant about it. And again, I'm not saying you should do this. Probably you shouldn't, and I know somebody here is going to come to me later and say you're theologically wrong. Okay, maybe. I've gotten to the point, I am so militant about it, that when those kinds of thoughts start to enter my mind, I say this, I say, enemy, would you shut your stinking mouth? Because that's not what God says. I'm not going to listen to you anymore. That's trash. It's not truth. I had to first hear what God spoke into my soul. Then I had to confront it for what it is. It's a lie that was impacting my life and how I felt about my life and the world around me and how I felt about God. I mean, I I grew up with a belief that God loved me because God had to love me. He's love. God is love. But He didn't like me. From the moment He saved me, He regretted it because I kept messing up so often. But that's a lie. That's not what God says at all. So I grab that lie by the scruff of the neck, and I say, it's a lie. It's not the truth, and it's not what I'm going to choose. So the first thing I had to do, on your points, number one, the first thing was we have to capture those wrong thoughts. We have to acknowledge them. We have to recognize them with the wrong thoughts. The second thing we have to do, we have to fix our thoughts on what is true. Fix our thoughts on what is true. Paul says in Philippians 4, 8, and 9, finally, brothers, Whatever things are true, whatever things are uh, noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate, think on these things. Think on those. Let those things permeate your thoughts. So when those thoughts come up that leave you feeling insecure and afraid and worried and pessimistic, recognize them for what they are. They're not God's thoughts at all. You need to grab hold of what God is saying about what's going on in the world. God is still in charge. I know that for some people, they feel like, no, COVID has won the day. Now it's coming back like gangbusters and we've got you know, the uh, Delta variant. It's terrible. Things are going down the road. It's horrid. No, it's not. God still owns this world. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. This is His world. And He's given it to the sons of man. That's us. He's given it to us and we have a choice. We can look at it as a negative thing that's going pot, or we can say, no, God, you still have something you want to do. I believe God still has revival for His church. I still believe God wants to bring reformation to this world and to those around us. What are your thoughts about the world? What are your thoughts about yourself and about God? Change the way we think will ultimately change our very destiny. And that's not an overstatement, because Solomon says, as a person thinks in their heart, so are they. The direction of your strongest thoughts are going to determine the direction of your life. Paul says this in Colossians Colossians 3, If you then were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of this earth. Where has your thoughts been? Where have your mindsets been of recent? If you think about it for a bit, you'll recognize that this is really what our whole life is. It's us learning to become more and more like Jesus and to receive his thoughts and what he wants to have happen around us. So that when we come into a situation, I was in a a difficult, challenging situation uh, the last couple of days, trying to help another church, another situation. And you could come in there, and when you hear some of the things that I said, you think, okay, there's no point for us even being here. Let's just go home. I mean, it was bad. But then you realize, no, God has us here for a reason. God has a purpose for our lives being here at that moment, and he's going to do something in the midst of it for this situation. So begin to recognize you either believe God or you believe your own lies or the lies of the enemy. What's it going to be for you? One small thing can change your life. How you think, how you process your thoughts, Um, One of the things I've noticed over the years, and maybe you've noticed it, that when... Well, let me use this example. I I can't think of a better one right now. Uh, Karen and I were looking at buying another car. Our car was going downhill. In fact, our engine blew up. So we were looking at buying a car, uh, and uh, so we started looking around. Well, honestly, if you'd asked me not too very long ago, I wouldn't even have been able to tell you what an Equinox is. But once we saw an Equinox, do you know the weird thing that began to happen? We began to see equinoxes everywhere, everywhere, and then once we bought an equinox, we come out of Walmart into the parking lot. I can't remember which equinox is my equinox. The other day, this it's true. I came to a car and I opened the door and I started to get in, and all of a sudden I realized, wait a minute, that that's not mine. And all of a sudden I realized I'm in the wrong car, but it's a black equinox. You begin to see what you're looking for. We went to Lancaster recently, and one of the reasons I like to go to Lancaster, I, commit, I, I admit, it's not right, but I do. I like to go to Lancaster because they have great buffets. Have any of you been to Lancaster? I mean, come on, you go to Deaners, you go to most. I mean, it was great. So I thought, well, last time we were in Lancaster, it was in the midst of the COVID, they didn't have anything. Nothing's open, it was just like bad. And I'm thinking, well... I'll be grateful if we can get to one buffet that will be exciting for us. We discovered pretty quickly that we could go to a different buffet every single night. And we did. That's why I look like I do. But ultimately, you begin to see and find what you're looking for. What is it that you're looking for in life? What is it that you're trying to see? Are you like the hummingbirds that I love over at my or at my house, or are you like a buzzard? Both are birds. In their own right, they're both beautiful, I suppose. But a buzzard is looking for dead carcasses lying beside the road. A hummingbird is looking for nectar, something sweet. What are you looking for? Are you looking for something sweet or are you looking for something dead? Something putrid and rotten. What is it that you're looking for in life? we tend to find what we're looking for. So how do we do this practically, just to kind of draw this to a close? Well, let me just recommend to you that when you wake up in the morning, you do something that Benny Hinn said to do years ago, and I'm not in any way standing for Benny Hinn or anybody else. I'm just saying, I think it's a good thing to do. When you wake up in the morning, how about you actually say, good morning, Lord? When you open your eyes, just say, good morning, Lord. It's a good day in you. I'm excited about walking through this day with you. Before you ever put your feet on the floor, before you open up your phone and check your messenger and your Facebook app and your news apps, how about you actually take time to recognize God in your life? That God is here. So that from the moment you open your eyes, you actually are establishing your day as a day that I'm going to look for God. I'm going to find God everywhere that I go. Good morning, Lord. And you look for his footprints in the sand of life. Whatever that looks like for you. Paul says we take our thoughts captive and we bring them into obedience. The writer of Hebrews worded it this way. He says, looking unto Jesus. How about one little simple thing? You actually start your day and end your day focusing on Jesus. I like to read. I like to read a lot, and sometimes the books I read are... are good Christian books in terms of uh, their study books. Other times, they're just novels and things like that that I enjoy. But the last thing I do as I'm laying in bed, as I close my eyes, is I spend time reciting the Lord's Prayer and saying the 23rd Psalm. Not because that's anything great in and of itself. It's because I want to somehow, even as I sleep, have my last thoughts be focused on God. And when I wake up, I want my thoughts to be focused on God for that entire day. So how do we do this practically? This week, I'm asking you to do something different. Last week, I asked you to pray and get one word that will be your directive word for the rest of this year. God gave me a word. I don't know if he gave you a word. My word is actually a hyphenated word. I don't know if that counts, but I did it anyways. Uh, But I asked you to have one kind of directive word for the rest of 2021. This week, I'm asking you to ask God for one thought that he has about you. One thought that he has about you. And then I want you to repeat it again and again and again every day until you begin to believe it. Until that becomes your default. What is it that God says about you? Uh, There are so many words that God has spoken over my life. And I don't mean prophetically, although sometimes that. Just things that as I have spent time in his presence, I have felt like he has said some things to me. I, I could put that picture back up and draw a whole list and say that's what God's saying. But this past week, even before I left to go deal with this other situation, I spent some time just praying and saying, God, what one thing would you want to say to me? And he spoke something to my heart that just afresh broke my heart to know what God actually thinks about me. I mean, everywhere I go, I joke. I'm just this simple farm boy. I don't even know why I get to do what I do. If you saw the rest of my family, you know, just come on. But then to know what God thinks about you. So if God could give one word to you. What one word would it be about how He feels about you? What He thinks about you? What He wants you to know? So I want you to take some time this week and just say, God, how do you feel about me? And maybe for you it won't be one word. Maybe it'll be a whole list. That's fine. I'm not saying to do it. But whatever it is, I'm asking you to grab hold of that for dear life. Because that is life. Life is in Him. It's not in the lies. Grab hold of that word and hold on to it for dear life. Because that one thought is something you got straight from God. That one thought can be the truth that begins to direct your life moving forward. My life has changed. I'm not the same as I was even when I came to this church 30 years ago. Was I a Christian then? Yes. But my life has changed. God has done some things in my life that I will forever be grateful for. But I'm asking you to do something similar. Let's let God actually do something inside of us By changing how we think. So, would you bow your heads with me? You want to change your life? Start with changing the way you think. Because Solomon said, as a person thinks in his heart, so is he. Your life will always move in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Paul said, Therefore, we will not copy the customs or behaviors of this world, but we will let God transform us by changing the way we think. We're not going to make this fight with fleshly human weapons. It's going to be by the power of his spirit. As he says, it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. We're going to fix our thoughts on that which is true and pure, light, and life, and lovely. And then he promises, when you do that, the peace of God will rule in your heart. So take just a moment, maybe even right now, even as you're sitting there, God's speaking to your heart. What's God want to say about you? Now, what did your parents say? Your parents are as broken as you are. and They probably said some things they shouldn't have, Can we extend forgiveness and receive the truth of our Heavenly Father? What one truth does God want to speak to you today? You can grab hold of it. Maybe you make a note in your Bible or or on your phone even, and just say, every single day, I want to remember, this is what God said. And maybe he'll even link it to a verse. and You memorize the verse. But let's see God change how we think how we think about God, about ourselves, and those around us. Father, uh, I know that this is a simple message. But the more I have uh, lived in this message, the more I believe it's true and it is life, peace, and hope to those who can receive it. So I ask you, Father, to open hearts. Open my heart afresh to hear not the judgments of those around me or of this world or even of my own flesh, but let me hear the life-giving truth of my God and Savior. Holy Spirit, minister to hearts even through this word I pray. In the name of Christ, amen. 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 Well, thank you very much for staying with me. Um, Ashley asked me to mention that if you are able, uh, as we leave, if you could stay behind and help, we need to get all of these chairs gone for VBS, which starts this week. So if you can possibly stay behind and help with that, that would be a tremendous lift and encouragement to her, I'm sure. Okay? God bless you. Have a great rest of your day. As far as where they go, I don't know. You'll have to ask Ashley or maybe Pastor John knows.